Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Yo, yo, what up? Epiphany Church, good morning to you. So good to be uh, gathered together. Wherever you are, we are in the presence of the Lord. It's Psalm 16, verse 11 that says, In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Uh, and I don't, man, I don't know about you, but there is something about being in the presence of God that uh, certainly lifts our spirits. I don't know what kind of week you are arriving at this virtual world today in. I don't know if you had a rough week. I don't know if your boss got on your nerves, the kids got on your nerves, your spouse got on your nerves, uh, life just got on your nerves. I have no clue. But what I do know is that in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And I am certainly grateful for another day that God has given us. Every morning we get a new day and every time we get a chance to to wake up is an opportunity before us to give God his glory and give God the praise that he deserves. A new day is an extension of God's grace. It's an extension of God's mercy. Uh, he didn't owe us a day. He didn't wake you up because he owed you. He didn't wake you up because uh, you did something so great or he needed you. He did it because of his great kindness and his love. And I am certainly thankful uh, one of the things that I love to do and it's part of my responsibility on a weekly basis is get into the Word of God. So let's do it. We are going to get into the Word together. Why don't you grab your Bibles, go to the New Testament. We're going to be in the book of Acts. Um, normally I'm like, man, just go to the, you know, go to, to whatever book we're preaching in. Uh, when you get to Acts, go to Acts 25. Uh, but I, I'm so serious when I say today, I think it would behoove you to have something that contains the word of God today. And I don't know, sometimes it's, you know, you if I say go to the word, it's probably easier for you to just kind of watch and listen and, you know, the verses pop up on the screen. But I think you'll do yourself a disservice today if you don't actually have a physical Bible or get your laptop out or something that has the word of God on it. I think you need it today. We are going to be in Acts 25 and Acts 26. And there's a lot in here. And the, the story, you know, Acts is a is a narrative. It, it's literary. It kind of just it, the story tells itself. So you you have to you have to engage with the word today. And so if you'll please indulge me, don't uh, don't 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 uh, do like we normally do, which is just watch like we ac actually need you interacting with the word of God today. We're in our third week of a sermon series called Close But No Cigar. And the, we're trying to highlight the fact that you can run well and seemingly your running makes you seemingly feel close to God. But in the end, you never obtain the prize called heaven or the prize called eternity with God. The only way that happens is when Jesus uh, comes and fully connects us and we fully put our faith and our trust in him. The first week of this sermon series, we were in Hebrews chapter 10 and we looked at how the priests were standing and repeatedly offering the same sacrifice. And the Bible says that they were never able to take, take away sin, but Jesus in one shot did the work and then sat down. And then last week, which was the second week, we were looking at the rich young ruler found in all three of the gospels and looking at how seemingly he was close to God if you based it on behavior. Remember Jesus is like, don't murder, don't don't steal, don't, don't commit adultery, don't bear false witness. And he goes down the list, honor your mother and father, don't defraud people. And he's like, I kept all of that, I'm, I'm good. 
And Jesus like, ah, but you're, you're close, but still no cigar. Jesus didn't say that, but you get what I'm saying. You're close. You're almost there. Remember last week we talked about how almost doesn't count. Today we are in Acts 25, Acts 26. And once again, we see an almost. We see somebody that's close. We see people that's close, but no cigar. So we'll dig in. This is a long passage. So instead of normally I read, I announce the topic and then I pray. I'm going to go backwards. I'm actually going to announce the topic. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to read a little bit and talk a little bit because I do have some points that I want to list before you. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I want to lift up our need for you this morning. We need to be encouraged by your word. We need to be challenged by your word. We need to be deconstructed by your word and we need to be built back up. And so, Father, today, as we dig into your word, be with us. Be with us. Be with us. Your presence. We need it in each and every individual's homes or their cars or if they're walking in the street with their ear pods in. Father, be with them now so we can understand your word together. It's in Christ's name I give all glory and honor. Amen. Almost Christians is what we're going to talk about today. Almost Christians. Sounds a bit oxymoronish, but stick with me. Almost Christians. For all my non-vegans, have you ever had chicken that was almost done? Like, like the, the, the outside was crispy and it looked ready and it looked, it, you, you were already, your mouth was watering and you took a good bite into that chicken or you pulled it apart only to find that the middle was actually pink and still rough and tough and with some blood coming out of the chicken. There, there's nothing worse than having an idea that the chicken is done and it's almost done because the outside is done but not the inside. Same thing with a cake. Have you ever looked at a cake and it was golden and it looked ready and you were, you were so ready for it. You got the ice cream and you cut into the cake and only to find that the middle was soggy and wet. Almost stuff is frustrating. Almost being done. Almost obtaining. Almost getting close. These, these things frustrate us. Last week we talked about how almost doesn't count. And I tried to paint a, a scenario in the best way I could of us standing before God and him saying, you almost did it, but you did not trust fully in my son. Can you imagine running your race and then getting before God and him stiff arming us because we did not trust in his son, but we trusted in ourselves. And anytime you trust in yourself, you're half baked. You're almost done. You're almost there. I walked away last week and I started to think about this idea of almost being a Christian. You know, when I looked at the rich young ruler or the people in the text today, which we'll dig into, I had this idea of what does it look like to be an almost Christian? And God really stopped me because I realized almost Christian is not being a Christian at all. Being almost Christian doesn't mean you're even close. It actually means you're still very, very far I believe that hell is going to be filled with almost Christians. I believe that hell is going to have, is going to be full with almost believers. I believe that hell is going to be full with almost followers of Jesus. And we arrive at a passage in Acts 25 and Acts 26 where the gospel globe trotter, a guy by the name of Paul who wrote most of the New Testament was converted uh, by Jesus in a miraculous way. And he's going to stand before royalty. In our passage today, he's going to be before King Agrippa. 
And as he's standing before King Agrippa in this great assembly of the gathering, he has an opportunity to share his conversion story and an opportunity to share the gospel. Let me just make clear that those are two different things. The conversion story is one thing. That's what the gospel has done for you. The gospel is the gospel. And you can't stand before people who are almost Christians and just share your conversion. But Paul does both. He shares his conversion story in this passage, and he also shares the gospel. I have three points. They're going to pop up on the screen. Here are my three points that are going to guide our time through the next two chapters. We're going to look at how God, uh, the, the preparation for the gospel, how God prepares opportunities for the gospel. Then we're going to look at the proclamation of the gospel. Once people are gathered, God brings people together who were almost Christians. What is the proclamation? And then thirdly, finally, we'll look at the persuasion of the gospel. What is the response supposed to be once you've heard this message about Jesus Christ? And we will see in the text today how Paul is going to get an opportunity with a room full of people that are almost Christians. God doesn't accept us. Please make sure that you understand this. God doesn't accept us because we're close. God only accepts us when we have trusted in Jesus. Let's deal with the first one. The preparation of the gospel. Watch this opportunity that God prepared for Paul. Stick with me, y'all, that the reading's lengthy, but again, I think it's really important. I started to see if I was going to skim and just do a couple of scriptures, but I really found myself wanting and desiring to read the whole passage, and I think it's important for us. Look at verse 13, Acts 25. It says, now when some days had passed, it says, King Agrippa, it says the king, uh, King Agrippa, the king and Bernice, Bernice was his sister, arrived at Caesarea to greet uh, Festus. And as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king saying, there was a man uh, left prisoner by Felix. And when I was in Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. It says verse 16, but I answered them that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before uh, the accused has met his accusers face to face and had an opportunity to make his defense. Please pay attention to that word. His defense concerning the charge laid against him. So when they came together here, I made no delay. But the next day took my seat in the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought in. When the accuser stood up, they brought no charge in his case of such evil as I supposed. Rather, they had a certain points of dispute about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who was dead, but who Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss of how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem to be tried there regarding them. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held here until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear this man myself. Tomorrow, said he, you will hear him. Please pay attention to verse 23. So on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice, who was Agrippa's sister, came with a great pomp and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent, and the prominent men of the city. And at the command of Festus, Paul was brought 
in. Look at the preparation for the gospel here. Uh, God has a way of filling up a room full of almost Christians, giving Paul an opportunity to share his faith. I know that was a lot of reading, but you got to understand what is happening. Paul is on trial and all of these people are like, well, I want to hear it. And so they create this great pomp, this this great ceremony in order to bring in all these uh, great elite people in the city. You got the military tribune, the prominent men of the city, Agrippa is there, Festus is there, Bernice is there, and in walks Paul carrying his faith. In walks Paul in the midst of all of these non-believers, in the midst of all of these almost Christians, especially Agrippa, because he and Bernice are both Jews. In the midst of this room, Paul walks in with a whole lot of Jesus swag. Paul walks in prepared. Paul walks in full of confidence, ready to talk about Jesus. None of these men and women are here by accident. None of, they are all there by the working of a sovereign God. They may not realize it. They may not understand it. But God has presented an opportunity for Paul to share his conversion and for Paul to share the gospel. And when I read uh, how God prepared this opportunity for Paul, it had me thinking of the many, 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 many opportunities that you and I have had that God has prepared people to hear the message of Christ. And my question is, what have we done with those opportunities? What have we done with those opportunities? God gave some of you jobs And the reason you got that job was not just to secure the bag, but you got that job because God wanted a witness on that job. You weren't just born into that family. You don't just have drunk uncles. You don't just have people in your family who are far from the Lord. You were born in that family, snatched up by God, placed in that family as a gospel witness. He prepares opportunities for us to share the gospel. What about your circles of influence? What about your friends? What about your neighbors? What about the the, the neighborhood that you live in, the building that you live in, the street that you live in? I bet you it is a bunch of almost Christians around us. Again, almost Christian is an oxymoron. And so basically there are a bunch of non-believers that could be believers if you and I took full advantage of the opportunities of a sovereign God to fill up the room. Look what God does in this moment. You have all of these prominent men and all of these prominent women that are coming together and they all come together because God has put them in a room for Paul to maximize the opportunity. Lord, help us. Help us to be men and women that are sensitive to the almost Christians. Help us to be men and women that don't look down on almost Christians. Help us to be men and women that take full advantage and understand that I am on this earth to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, a representation of who Jesus is. I am not on this earth just to walk around, but I am here to live a missional life and to be sought in life. And I believe that God is closer than you think to some people that are around you. But what would, what would you do if I told you that what it would take to get them from being an almost Christian to a full Christian is if you look looked around the audience hall like Paul is doing and shared your faith and talked about Jesus. Paul is brought into the room. And I'm always amazed at how God orchestrates these opportunities. I'm always amazed at how he prepares hearts. 
I'm always amazed at how he prepares the room. I think back to my conversion story. I don't have time to tell it today, but God prepared a moment for somebody to share their faith with me. And this week, that's what I want you to do. I want you to read uh, uh, Acts chapter 25 and look how God brought all these people together. Go back to 24, Felix, he brought together to hear about God. Drusilla, he brought together to hear about this person named Jesus. And this week, I want you to look at the opportunities in your life that we typically run through instead of stopping and saying, God, how can I be a gospel witness in this context? Whatever that context is. Maybe it's the train. Maybe it's the person that you see on the train every week. And it's not by coincidence. They, ha- they happen to get on the same train as you on a consistent basis, sitting right across from you. On a, the, the barista that, that you see at the coffee shop, it is not by accident that you go to that coffee shop. It's not because the beans are good. It's because God is preparing opportunities before us. And do we take advantage of them? What about that coworker that keeps pulling you aside and sharing their personal problems with you. It's just something about you. You always give wise advice. No, God could be preparing an opportunity for you to share your faith. What about that group text? Y'all know we get trifling in our group text, but you, you get a, a small group of friends, you just start talking reckless. Okay, can you imagine using the opportunity of the group text to share your faith? It is not by accident that you are in that group text. It is God preparing the audience hall for Felix to come in, for Festus to come in, for Aquila, to, for all of these people. It's God preparing opportunities and Lord, help us to take full advantage because I believe that God is going to fill our lives. If you, if you hear nothing else, hear me. I believe that God is going to fill our lives with opportunities to be around people who are almost Christians. And does our heart break for almost Christians? Does, does, does our heart break for those who are far from the Lord, but God wants to draw them in, but he needs you to do it? Let me say it another way. He doesn't need you. He allows you. It's a privilege. It's an honor to share in this gospel witness uh, uh, that God allows. God could have wrote in the sky with a pink puffy cloud and everybody could have been saved. But he delights to use undone people like us. Who are the almost Christians in your life? Who, who, who are the Agrippas and Bernices and, and, and the, the Festus in your life? Who are the people that God is saying, come into the room because I got a witness for you? Now, what do we do with the opportunity? There's the preparation for the gospel. But what do we do when God gives us the opportunity to share the gospel? It is the proclamation that is important. Paul is going to move from the preparation of the gospel to the proclamation of the gospel. Reading's a little lengthy. Stay with me. So the Bible says that all of these great men and women come together and they they come into the room. And then at the command of Festus, Paul is brought in. And when Paul is brought in, watch what Paul does. So Agrippa said to Paul, I'm in chapter 26, verse 1. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand. That's very important. And made his, watch this word again, defense. I consider myself fortunate that before you, that it is before you, King Agrippa, that I'm going to make my, here's that word, defense today. Against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs of the controversy, controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Paul's like, I got a lot to say. I, I want to say the same thing to you today as I read. Listen to me patiently. 
He says, my manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time that if uh, it says, if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers in which our 12 tribes, uh, it says our 12 tribes hope to obtain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by Jews, O king. Why is it that, uh, why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Pay attention. He's going to give uh, his background. He's going to give his story of how he was before he met Jesus. He then says, I, uh, and I did in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I tried to make them blaspheme and in raging fury against them, I persecuted even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus. Here's his conversion with the authority of the commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brightened as the sun, uh, than the sun, brighter than the sun that shone around me. And those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen on the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in a Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But arise and stand up on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as the servant and witness to, uh, to the things in which you have seen me and those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people, from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by me in faith. Just a little bit more. Stick with me. Verse 19. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those on Damascus, he immediately started to talk about Jesus. Then in Jerusalem and throughout all of the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seizing me in the temple tried to kill me. To this day, I have I have had the help that comes from God so that I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophet and Moses, prophets and Moses said would come to pass. Last verse, that is that the Christ must suffer and that he being first rise from the dead, he would proclaim both a uh, light, both to our people and to the Gentiles. There is the proclamation of the gospel. The room fills up with almost Christians. Paul has a moment. He, he's given permission by Festus to speak. The Bible says that he stretches out his hand, meaning that he had good training. They, they didn't have mics back in the day, so they couldn't tap the mic and go, excuse me, excuse me. No, they, they couldn't do that. They had to raise their hand in a certain way to command the room. 
And once he raises his hand, the Bible says that he makes a defense. This word defense in the Greek is apologeomai. It, 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 it holds the idea of an apologist. He, he is an apologist is a defender of the faith. Paul in this moment is not just sharing the gospel. He is apologeomai. He is defending the faith. It holds the very idea that every believer should not only trust in Jesus, but we should be growing in discipleship and in the context of community and spiritual maturity to the place where we can all be apologeomai, defenders of the faith. In order to defend the faith, we have to be solid in the faith. In order to defend the faith, we have to be standing strong in the faith. In order to defend the faith, we can't be wishy-washy in our faith. In order to defend the faith, we can't dibble and dabble in a whole bunch of other stuff, but we got to get rooted and rooted deeply in God's words. I'm personally very tired of seeing professing Christians that aren't growing. I'm tired of seeing Christians that only know John 3:16. You got to know more stories than just Adam and Eve. You got to know more stories than just Jesus turning water into wine. This Bible is big and full of truth and full of grace, full of mercy. And full of transformation, Apollo Gaomai, defenders. Where are the defenders of the faith? Where are the people that will say, I'm going to run and run well and get deep in my word, commit myself to the teachings of the, uh, uh, of the scriptures, and I'll commit myself to discipleship so that I can grow up in the faith? What if God filled the room? Do you have enough word in you to share the gospel? Do you have enough word in you to be defenders of the faith? Not only does Paul model this, but Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Always be prepared. He uses the exact same word to make a defense, an apologist, an apologeomai to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is within you. He says, always be ready. Never be caught off guard. Never have that moment where you're not ready and you're not prepared for battle. Paul walks in and he knows exactly what to do. But y'all get y'all be patient with me. I got a lot to say. Paul wasn't nervous. Paul wasn't worried. Paul stood firm on his faith. And this is why we push people here at Epiphany Church to the God Seekers class, because we want you to get introduction so that you can grow in your faith. This is why we push people towards membership. Our covenant community class is two and a half hours for a reason. That there is a reason we go deep into the word of God. Why do we do that? We do that because we want you to be defenders of the faith. There is a reason why we preach in a way that's expositional. Where It's easier to just come in here and read a verse and then give thought. But it's really important that we dig into everything that God has to say. Why do we expositionally go through the text? Because Apollo Gaomai. We want to we grow up and be defenders of the faith. Why do you commit yourself to discipleship? You commit yourself to discipleship to go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. How do we get to spiritual maturity? How do we get to be defenders of the faith? It's when we do that in the context of community. Because at the end of the day, God de- desires for every one of us that we would grow up in our faith and we would be able to defend the gospel. So what does Paul do? Paul walks in. He says, I, I have a defense. I have something that I want to say. And, you know, even at the end of Paul saying, always be ready, he says, do it with gentleness and respect and meekness. A lot of times we grow up in the faith and we get puffed up 
We, 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 become, we become flossers of the faith instead of defenders of the faith. And we want to show how much we know. I'm guilty of that, man. I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord and I had a, a, just a deep desire to understand the word. And I jumped into Bible school and I became so puffed up and arrogant. Nobody wants you to walk around and tear them, tear them down. If you tear everything down, you'll be homeless. But you got to learn how to build people up in the word. Defenders of the faith. And I pray that Epiphany will be filled with men and women that are serious about their faith. Serious about their word. I say this so often, but I feel like I got to keep it bears repeating. Please stop being believers that are okay with being surface. God doesn't desire that for you, young lady. Bro, God doesn't desire you to stay stagnant in your faith. He wants you to be Apollo Gaomaya, defender, an apologist at heart. What we do is we simply invite people to church. No, don't tell them about Jesus. Don't simply send them the link. You do them a disservice. Don't simply just tell them to watch the clip. You do them a disservice. Don't simply tell them, hey, check out the worship. You do them a disservice. Now, yes, do all of those things, but you should be a defender first of the faith. I, I, I just believe that if we're just surface Christians, it builds weak Christians. It builds a weak church. It builds a weak body. We question everything. When are we going to be defenders? When are we going to dig into God's word? When are we going to be serious about it? We're so good with everything. Some of y'all have passed the bar exam. Some of y'all are brilliant and are genius. Don't tell me you can't understand this word when you got the Holy Ghost living in you. Paul stands up. He says, I got a defense. I'm about to talk that talk about Jesus. Would y'all do me a favor and type that in the chat room? Talk that talk. That's what you got to do. When, you, when God gives you the opportunity, talk that talk. But don't, don't be fooled. You ain't got to hit a home run. Ba baby, God can take scraps and save somebody. God can take the bare minimum and save somebody. You got to learn how to tell people that Jesus lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, rose up from my sins, and is coming back for me one day. God can take scraps and turn it into something. So somebody needs to learn to be a defender. Somebody needs to learn to be deep. And so somebody needs to learn to not just be surface. Somebody needs to learn that this is a big Bible of 66 books and you, you ain't got to run through all of it tomorrow. But you got to step by step, commit yourself, devote yourself to the teachings of the word of God. So surely Paul, Paul just laid out a great gospel presentation. I don't know if you noticed this, but in chapter 26, in the first part, he tells of the conversion story. He's like, look, I used to, I used to, I was the one that voted that Christians should die. I, I was the one that drugged them out of their home and, 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 and persecuted Christians. Paul is like, I am that guy. But Jesus on Damascus road did something to me. He messed me up. He blinded me so that my spiritual eyes could see. That's deep. He physically blinded me so that I can see spiritually. And after he told me I got a ministry, I got, I got to go share the gospel to the Gentiles and to the Jews. After he does that, I got busy working for Jesus. So he tells his conversion story, but then he doesn't just stop there. He goes on to talk about the Christ must suffer and he will rise again. He talks about the resurrection of Christ. He shares the gospel. You would think that after, after Paul does this, that revival takes place in this audience hall. You, you would think everybody's giving their life to the Lord. Cue the, the B3 organ. Somebody grabbed the tambourine, 
Get some, some shouting shoes and some wood. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Get, get, get all of that because we're about to have a praise break because Paul just shared his faith. Surely everybody is about to give their life to the Lord. Surely everybody is about to be converted. But that's not what happens. There is the, pro- the preparation for the gospel. God knows how to fill up a room full of almost Christians. Then there's the proclamation. You got to know how to share your faith. Then there's the persuasion of the gospel. How do we persuade people that Christ really is who he said he is? Now, watch the response. You would think that everybody would give their life to the Lord. Verse 24, here's the response. And as he was saying these things, in his apologia, oh my, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. He says, your great learning is driving you, you mad out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind. Most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words for the king knows because remember, King Agrippa is a Jew for the king knows about these things. And to him, I am speaking boldly for I am persuaded that none of these things can escape his notice for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? I know you believe And King Agrippa said to Paul, watch what King Agrippa says to Paul here. King Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would not only that you, but also all who hear me on this day might become as I, such as I, except for these chains. Then King, then the king rose and the governor and Bernice and so everybody in the room that, that was sitting with them, and when they had withdrawn, so they left, they said to one another, this man is doing nothing deserving of death and imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this is so interesting, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Look, look at what happens here. Paul shares his faith. Paul talks about Jesus. Paul talks about the resurrection and the light that was shining, that blinded him. And Festus says, Paul, you're crazy. You ever had that moment where you're talking about Jesus and somebody like, ah, you out of here. You are crazy. You believe that? Can we be honest? To believe what we believe can be, it can sound crazy to the natural. That's why we need a spiritual. This is why we need a supernatural work of God. Like you, (laughs) Gabe, we are telling people to believe in that God that created the universe wrapped himself in flesh and was born of a virgin. Stop there. Like we're asking people to believe that a virgin could conceive, conceive. And then we're asking people to believe that this God walked the earth for 33 years and lived a perfect life and that he died and that he rose and that the tomb is empty and that he's coming back on a cloud. That's what we're telling people to believe. Of course, it sounds crazy. But that is why we need God to work on people's hearts, not to just prepare the room, but to prepare hearts. Because when God does that, It does something to people's hearts. So Festus says, look, Paul, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. And then Agrippa says in in verse 28, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? In other words, what Agrippa says in, in, in the New King James Version is, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Watch this word, almost. Paul, you almost got me. Paul, 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 you almost had me. You almost, I'm almost there. I'm almost a Christian. 
I'm close, but no cigar. I'm just not ready. I need more time. The presentation was clear. Wasn't nothing wrong with what Paul said, but he rejected the gospel. He rejected the Savior. He was so close, but he didn't make it. You know, there's a verse tucked away in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, that says that the gospel is the aroma of life to some, but it's also the stench of death to others. There are some people that will hear the gospel, respond to it, and run for Jesus. And then there are some people that will hear the gospel and deny it and push against it and run away from it. That is not your business. Your business is to share it with everybody, to talk about Jesus with everybody, because you don't know who's almost a Christian. You don't know. And so When you're looking at what Paul is doing, he's giving us a blueprint for how to share our faith. And these men in this room says, no, I can't do it. And I hate to say this. I hate to do it. But I'm pretty convinced that some of you that are logged on today are almost there. But almost doesn't count. Almost ain't ain't all the way there. Close, but it ain't all the way there. And my fear is that you've logged on today and you think you're good because you logged on. But in reality, You have to profess faith in Jesus. You have to turn away. Paul talks about repentance in this passage. We have to go further. I'm not afraid to preach messages like this. I know this ain't good for sound bites. I get it. Tech team's going to kill me this week. Oh, come on. Give give us something that's quick. That's 30 seconds or real. Let's throw something out. But what needs to be thrown out is that people need to hear about Jesus and the reality. One second here, Josh. The reality is... That some of you don't know Jesus. You like the idea of Jesus. You like the idea of the the body. You like the idea of community. But you've never professed faith. And you're on on a weekly basis. You've never been baptized. Not that baptism saves you, but it is the appropriate response after you've given your life to the Lord. You've never committed yourself to a local body. You're almost there. But I would implore you today to give your life to Jesus today. Not tomorrow. Go back to chapter 24. I don't have time to preach it. Felix said, come back another day. I'll I'll do it another day. I'll give my life to Jesus another day. What's really crazy is, you know, all of these people that were in this audience hall, Felix, Bernice, Agrippa, Drusilla in chapter 24, Festus, Felix, they've all died and been in hell for 2,000 years. Don't tell me that they wouldn't take this moment back if they could. If they could, if they could zap back into chapter 26, I'm sure that Agrippa would have said, what must I do to be saved? But he doesn't. He runs far from God. You know, it's so funny to me. Paul could have had a great clap back at the end of this passage. You know, verse 31, the Bible says that Festus says, Agrippa says uh, that this man could have been set free if he had not appealed for seat to Caesar. And Paul could have clapped back and said, you could have really been set free if you had listened to me and given your life to the Lord. I don't mean to be angry this morning. I promise you I'm not. But hell is real. And when we talk about almost Christians, we live life for us. Why are we not looking around saying, God, who you want me to talk to? Who you want me to share my faith with? Who do you want me to live among so that they can see character and see witness and that they could see ultimately Jesus? Who is it? Who is it that you've prepared? Help me with the proclamation. 
and help me to be persuasive. I, I know this for, to be true. Persuaded people persuade people. If you're not persuaded yourself, it's hard for you to persuade others. But when you're fully confident and you're fully convinced that Jesus is who he said he is, you will run well for him. I want to pray for somebody today. I want to pray for somebody that God has been giving the opportunity for you to share your faith and you haven't taken advantage of it. Whether we lack the discernment of those around us or, or whether we, we just we, we don't know like how they're going to feel about us. I don't want to come across judgmental. I would rather come across judgmental than you die and go to hell because I didn't want to offend you. I'd rather offend people to heaven than to love them to hell. And many of us are guilty of loving people and never sharing the gospel. And I would say it's a contradiction. We aren't loving people well if we're Christians and not sharing our faith. Apollo Gale by talking about Jesus. I also want to pray for the person that wants to take advantage of the opportunity now. Somebody that's on right now that doesn't know Jesus, you're far from him. And you know, you, we, we've lived this life of, of the scale and I'm not good. I'm going to outweigh my bow. bad. Forsake that and put your faith in the one who did good all the time and then gave us that goodness. It is the gospel that you respond to. Many times we, we respond based off of ill motives, fear. Fear is not what gets you in heaven. Jesus is what gets you in heaven. Who is it today that the opportunity is laid before you? You've been wrestling. You, you know it's on your heart. You've been feeling it. Life has been showing that God has put you in a, in a position that you are backed against the wall. And he's doing that because he wants to get your attention. You're in the audience hall right now. Don't be like these men that said, I can't do it now. You're almost there. If that's you, would you do me a favor and just text decision to the number that's popping up on the screen? If you would say, that's me, Pastor B, I hear you. I feel you. For some reason, that penetrated my heart today. I, wanna, I don't want to be like these men that's in the audience hall that's almost there. I hate almost. I hate getting close and not achieving. Today, I want to do it. I want to give my life to the Lord. If that's you, just text decision to that number. And there will be somebody there to walk you through the next steps. Father, I pray for everybody that's logged on today. First, just forgive us. We haven't taken advantage, full advantage of all opportunities. We, I, I know I have it. And so forgive us, oh God, for those moments that you've prepared the room. You've prepared the text. You've prepared the FaceTime. And we walked away and did nothing with it. As though people aren't going to hell. God, help us today. Help us to be witnesses and ambassadors for you. Help us not to be people that have been set free from hell and then run and never look back and say, come on, there's room. Come on, there's room at the cross. This thing ain't full. He loves you. He still wants you. He's after you. Father, help us to be those type of people. And Father, the one that is wrestling right now and feeling the weight of your word and feeling the weight of the gospel, Father, would you build them up today? Help them to know that there is a body of believers and there is a heaven that is full of angels that are rejoicing over the fact that that one person gave their life to you. Father, would, 
would that decision happen today? Would that moment happen today? Would they, would they have the conversion story that Paul had in the text today? They would run to you and not run from you. Father, we love you. And I, I, just, I really do believe that something is happening spiritually right now through the virtual world. Father, do something today in the lives of your people. It's in Christ's name we pray and give glory. Amen.